Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things human factors, psychology, and design. Hello, everyone, and happy holidays to all of you. It's episode 188. Today is December 17th, 2020. The year 2020 will be over soon. And this is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I am joined uh, through the magic of the internet and Google Meet. Uh, Mr. Blake Arnsdorf is hanging out with me. Thank you, Google, for making this experience possible. How are you, Nick? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we'll get into that in just a minute, but we got some... Uh, you know what? We have a lot of new stories to catch up on today because we're kind of doing a cleanup episode. We're we're going through um, all of the stories in our Slack that we may not have touched on throughout the year or notable ones that we did talk about on the show. We're just going to read every single thing that's in there um, and either comment on it. That way it's like kind of the dirty laundry. Everything's addressed. Uh, before we move into 2021, we're going all the way back to January of uh, of this year. So uh, back in the time of pre-COVID here in the States. So it'll be a good time. I think uh, we'll have a good time breaking down everything. Um, but leading up to that, I just want to get into a quick programming note. Uh, we are gone for the holidays after this episode. So we are we are uh, packing up. We are I, we're staying put, really. Um, we're. <laughs> We're, uh, but we're not going to be recording. We're we're going to be back on dis- on the January seventh. So we'll see you in twenty twenty one when things look uh, much better over this imaginary line that we call December thirty first. So <laughs> we'll be back on January seventh um, to you know do do more of this. If you if you like this, uh, then we're going to be doing more of it. Um, not not the whole everything from our Slack or anything like that, but but just the regular news stories and the community outreach stuff so anyway uh blake what's been what's been going on in your world you have one last banter section to talk about for the year 2020 what would you like to talk about man i've got to talk about probably the most boring topic to ever talk about but it's (laughs) (laughs) i teed you up perfectly and you fumbled it's my uh it's a two sports it's actually my mouse so I i don't know about you man but i've had every kind of ergonomic mouse in the past and i think it I've never had one that has made any difference. Like I always will get, you know, wrist pain or shoulder pain or whatever after long periods of use. Not to say. Have you thought that maybe it's not the mouse? Uh, yeah, (laughs) I have thought that. And I thought, I've thought about it being basically just positioning in my, how my shoulder works and how I've like screwed it up over years of, you know, sitting in a laptop or, you know, playing guitar, playing piano, that kind of stuff. But for the first time in my entire life, I've actually got one of these, mice i'll show it to nick because he'll be able to see it but it's one of these things that kind of like stands up straight so instead of like a traditional mouse where your wrist will be you know parallel to your desk it's actually got a bit of a tilt so what this has done is actually put my shoulder in the correct position and so for the first time in my life like i don't have shoulder pain after i get out of work uh because i i do you know stuff for normal work of doing design work it's a lot of tedious stuff with the mouse but it's been awesome kind of experimenting with this mouse that's go around because I've had everything from like gaming mice to some Microsoft ergonomically designed mice. And this Logitech, I don't know what it's called. I think it's like MX vertical or something has just been a game changer for me. And just shout out to ergonomic design because I think it's something that's underlooked in the like HFES part of what we do or the human factors and ergonomics part. And it's something I don't have as it's much experience in. So it's uh, <laughs> it's been pretty sweet to kind of get a little bit of relief just from a cool design. That's cool. So I, the way I understand it, and this is me not being an ergo expert, mind you, is that because it's at that slight tilt, uh, the way you traditionally hold a mouse, um, your hand, your palm is down and you're kind of uh, moving the mouse. Uh, and, and what happens is... In your arm, you have two bones that are crossing over each other, and that is what's causing the pain. Uh, and so when you put it at a slight tilt, they are no longer crossing over each other, and it kind of is a little bit more relaxing. I could be totally wrong. That's kind of what I understand is what's going on there. I always like to kind of throw out those little tidbits because uh, that's something I didn't know. Um, 
But uh, I, I guess if we're going to hang on, uh, stall for a second. I'm going to look up the actual uh, arm bones here. Oh, have at it. So, like, what I've really <laughs> noticed is basically if you hold your traditional mouse, your forearm is kind of pointing towards your body. And with this different mouse, like it basically turns my arm completely the other way up. So like the pit of my elbow is now facing directly up towards the ceiling, forcing my shoulder to actually get into the correct position and not roll over, um, which is really what's held me out a whole lot. But yeah, I'm not really sure what, how the biomechanics work at a well enough level to explain why it, why that like tilt helps as well. Cause I would have thought like, why isn't it just completely vertically up? Um, and I actually played with that a little bit, and I think like that tilt is actually doing what you're talking about. It's kind of letting your forearm relax a little bit and not be in this kind of like hyper tense state of being in that turned angle. Yeah. So uh, if you are if you if you're getting technical here, um, then the bones themselves are the um, oh geez, I just lost it. Hang on. Uh oh. They are <laughs> they're the radius and the ulna uh, and and those are the ones that are crossing. And if you Google arm bones and ergonomic mouse, you can find some pretty um, exciting examples of what this actually looks like uh, when, you know, you're using a, a mouse that is slightly tilted versus one that is flat. Um, so you can see kind of the, it, when it's twisted, they're crossing. Um, and that's kind of what I was talking about. It's pretty rad. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, okay. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm glad you are finally using a mouse that is getting your shoulder in the right position, uh, and is, um, is, is making it not hurt after work. Absolutely. No pain. But what's been going on with you, Nick? What's your banter for the last of this uh, 2020? Man. So I have, I guess, fallen victim, uh, to what many folks I would imagine have fallen victim to this year, especially, um, being cooped up in the house is retail therapy. Uh, and <laughs> I I finally uh, broke down. There was a un, um, unmissable deal for me, I guess. It was, uh, we've, we've been looking at 1080p screens for the longest time. Uh, so we finally got our first 4K TV. And, um, you know, it's a good enough deal. And, and I guess the, the uh, interesting thing to me is that I do enough gaming now in 4K um, and we've talked about that, but where I've done, I do enough gaming that can be, um, done in 4k for like no additional, uh, operating cost to me. Uh, and so that was enticing. And then also, you know, I, I figured, you know, the Mandalorian season finale is tonight. So I, I gotta get, I gotta watch the Mandalorian in 4k. Right. So anyway, there's, there's reasons. Um, and we're going to be stuck in our house for who knows how long until this vaccine is out and, and applied to everybody. So, uh, figured it was good investment. Um, and, and honestly, being able to watch Baby Shark in 4K is worth it for my son. So, you know, we have that going on, too. Um, it's a win for the whole family. Now, it's a win for the whole family. And, and, and here's the interesting thing to me is that I realized just how little 4K devices I actually have that can produce a 4K signal. So in, in, in my house, at least in the living room, the, the only things that can connect are exactly one thing. A Chromecast Ultra. Um, and so uh, because I have the base PS4 from uh, like, what, six years back or something, and, and that does not produce a 4K signal. So anything that I play through that will not uh, produce 4K. If I go, I think YouTube is not even right now um, doing 4K as, a, as an, in an effort to preserve bandwidth during uh, COVID. Um, but I could be wrong. They could have reversed that. But uh, the TV has a couple built-in apps. I'm not sure if those are actually producing 4K results. However, uh, through the HDMI port, um, I, I like I said, I have that Chromecast Ultra. It's hardwired into the internet, so there's not going to be any bandwidth issues. Um, and I just got to say, it's like it's it's so um, it's it's not a clunky interface, but like trying to find uh, uh, trying to I guess. Uh, flip back and forth when you want to watch something in 4k right because i use the native apps on the tv now uh and and soon i will switch over to the chromecast with google tv which has most of the same functionality that the built-in tv has that i'm not going to miss and it's going to be using a, a different chromecast essentially is going to replace the one that i have now um but the whole idea of having to switch an input to just get a 4k signal uh and then open your phone and do that it's it's uh Chromecast is both really convenient and really like clunky to me, and and 
That is what I'm wasting my last banter of 2020 on. Clunky Google interfaces. Ah, oh, man. That's that's cool, though, that you were able to actually like get the 4K TV and not have to worry about the fact that you didn't have a bunch of input devices for it. Um, and still, we're yeah. basically able to do a lot of the functions that you wanted to with it, like being able to still play games in 4K, I'm assuming, on it through Stadia yeah. um, and then yeah. everything else. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I will say the one thing that I'm a little worried about tonight, and I, I don't think I should be, is is the novelty factor when watching um, a, a new show, right? So, like I mentioned, The Mandalorian season finale is out tonight, and I watched half of one episode in 4K. I've watched a couple other sample things in 4K to kind of see what it looks like, but the whole time I was really impressed because... You're looking at four times the definition that I was previously looking at, and so it's kind of a stark difference. Um, I've been playing enough games in 4K that maybe I don't know if, you know, it, I'll still be that amazed. But I'm worried that tonight during the finale, I'll find myself distracted going, oh man, that's really pretty in HDR 4K. You know, I, I really hope I don't do that. Uh, and I don't think I will, but, but it's, it's one of those things that I'm just a little worried about, but, uh, you know, I think once the novelty wears off, then it'll be, it'll be whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is, <laughs> this isn't the, necessarily the same thing, but like, so I had my, even when Elise and I moved in together, I had my old TV from college, which was like a, a 32 inch whatever. And when we got like the, whatever it is now, like 70 inch TV that's outside, like the things that I could actually see in movies, I was spending more time, like looking at some of the yeah. details of stuff and actually paying attention. So I totally yes, sympathize I was, with that. Uh, without spoilers for the Mandalorian, I was looking at a certain character's chest armor uh, that had a number readout. And I was like, Oh shit, I can see the numbers on that thing. <laughs> that's uh, and <laughs> Oh, that's wild. And, and, you know, and I was like, and, and I was noticing details in the paint on, on a certain character's helmet. Um, I was like, Oh wow! I can see even chips in the in the fresh paint job. Anyway, um, so yeah, it was it was I was finding myself very distracted by that stuff. But hopefully, you know, I, it'll it won't be an issue. That's kind of rad, forward. though. It's kind of fun to see that stuff and imagine how oh, yeah. far stuff has come. Okay, well, I I don't want to linger on this too long because we have a, a big packed show for you tonight, uh, or today, or this morning, or this afternoon, whenever you're listening. Um, why don't we go ahead and get into this next part of the show we like to call that's right it's human factors news and boy oh boy do we have a lot of it so i'm not going to waste any more time why don't we just go back and forth blake on these and and we'll just kind of rattle them off as we go uh all the way back to uh wednesday january 1st was the first time Somebody posted something in our weekly story Slack. And if you find an interesting story, please post it there. Because I think we're going to make this kind of a tradition here at the end of the year to jump in and just do a recap. Because there's a lot of stuff that we missed. We Over the course of the year, we started going down from a uh, several uh, several news story per episode to one focused. Uh, so, so there might be stuff in here that we'd covered. There might be stuff that we missed. So, Blake, take it away. What's the first thing? I had actually forgotten we used to do more than one story. That's wild. Uh, the first thing that I don't remember doing, now if we did it, somebody call me on it in the Slack somewhere, but this Microsoft proposing an AI that improves when you smile, so basically feeding AI training smiles from a human to reward the, giving it a reward signal, basically helping you train the AI and like giving it some kind of like treat, if you will, that it's done the right thing. Uh, so I don't remember that at all. And that's like an awesome combo of not just like AI, but facial recognition software and then deep learning as well. So that's kind of nuts. Yeah, a lot of these stories that we're going to be uh, rattling off here uh, are kind of like one-offs or um, or they weren't deep enough for us to sit here and have a whole discussion about, but still worth like letting everybody know what's going on. So uh, here on, I guess, uh, January 4th, we have a update from Tesla about uh, it's able to detect handicap software parking or handicap parking so spots after a software update. Uh, so that's helpful. <laughs> it is pretty sweet, right? Okay, let's let's keep on going. Oh man, you actually posted this one, and I don't think we tackled it on the show. But you and you've posted some really cool ones over the past year. But on January, I think we missed one. There's there's one more for January fourth. That's the one I just talked about. 
Oh, yeah. Then I'm I'm out of here. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So it looks like we got <laughs> something else from Toyota cooking up a utopian city filled with robots and AI. I don't remember touching upon this one, Nick. This is from, looks I, like, Monday yeah. the 6th in January. Uh, but this could have been insane. Oh, it looks like it was something coming up for CES 2020. So maybe it was something they were going to do and showcase for 2020 CES and never got done. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's really interesting to go back and look at these through the lens of COVID nineteen and and to see kind of how the world has changed in twenty twenty. But yeah, they were they were basically going to set up this uh, city in Mount Fuji in Japan uh, with like this fully autonomous uh, uh, city, if you will, and it's pretty cool stuff. I'm, I mean, <laughs> it'd be an interesting case study. Um, so, all right, what's uh, it's me, right? I'm next. It okay, is. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, there was a. I also posted about this thing. This was. Uh, well, w- let's just not do the dates. We'll just go through them. Uh, this is autonomous security drone is designed to guard your home. So this was one of the interesting. Um, I think we actually talked about this. Sunflower Labs doing the uh, the drone that actually goes out if it senses something and does a security perimeter scan and has a camera that can um, kind of get that third person perspective because you have a lot of those uh, like home mounted cameras and this one actually goes out and looks oh yeah that one seemed actually pretty sweet so keeping on moving looks like little later on that week we have panasonic's vr glasses that support hdr and look pretty steampunk so this one like from a human factors perspective or maybe just a designer perspective is pretty sweet in that it's upping the image quality, so better overall image view or experience in VR. But they also kind of changed the form factor to make things a little less bulky, almost to get us yeah. closer towards feeling like you could just throw these things on and not really feel like it's a big weighted headset on your face. Uh, so nice yep. kind of updates there. Yeah, we did talk about that one on the show. as a little bit less clunky, I think, was the big point here. Um, continuing on here, CES 2020 news. Uh, Delta Airlines dips into parallel realities at Detroit Metro Airport. So, um, I again, we're kind of just skimming these. So, if if we're like misrepresenting any of these, apologies. But we're just kind of doing the the laundry, the dirty laundry here. Um, looks like uh, Erie Technology allow passengers through airline terminals. Um, so, uh, cool, I guess. I don't know. A personalized message appears on a screen as the. Uh, Oh, it's, I guess, personalized advertisements. Okay. Rad. So here's one that I don't know that I've ever heard of, and I'm glad that it was posted in here by one of our Slack members. And it looks like it's kind of a it's a belly fat scanner, so basically scanning your fat percentage um, without having to do a lot of crazy measurements. I'll, of course, this is geared towards making you do something personal fitness-wise, but I'm always kind of interested in any kind of technology that can give you more metrics about your own biometrics, basically. Yeah, I, I always like when we're able to monitor our bodies in different ways. Um, continuing on here, Sarcos Robotics is partnering with uh, Delta Airlines to bring the first public demonstration of Guardian XO full body force multiplying industrial ex- exoskeleton robot. Again, more CES news that probably didn't see the light of day, but it's always cool to kind of see these uh, partnerships between companies and major, uh, either major companies, right? I guess partnerships just between companies in general that have different technologies that benefit the other. Uh, So it's always cool to see. Yikes. And so this one was that typical story we've talked about, I don't know how many times in the past, but basically was it a human error or was it a system error? So this is like an alert warning of of an emergency system at the Canadian nuclear plant was actually sent by mistake. Uh, So this is similar to something that was experienced, you know, in the past. And it's one of those things that I'm pretty sure we went back and forth about, you know, what really caused it? What was it an interface problem? Was it just a human error? So a typical story from a human factors perspective. Yeah, we got uh, another one here. So uh, Heathrow's airport is installing anti-drone system that can locate UAV pilots. If you'll remember, there was a bunch of UAV pilots that were out there at Heathrow uh, protesting uh, climate change a while back, and they kind of installed this system um, in, in an effort to kind of uh, attempt to locate those people who were interfering with flight pl- flight paths for uh, this this airport. 
This next one I remember thinking that I needed to do, and now in COVID time, I duly need to do it. So this was an experimental app that was about reducing screen time that you're sp- or time you're spending on your phone. And one was actually like being able to print out an envelope and put it in there and stamp on it. Like, this is when I'll open this again, or this is when I'll touch this thing again. Uh, so that was kind of a cool social experiment that was actually kind of from Google, both the apps that are associated with it and the idea of the envelope. Yeah, you need to... Uh you need, you just need to get yourself a, a phone phone safe. Yeah. <laughs> do you see do you see that one video? I'm gonna go on a slight tangent here. Do you see that one video? There's a there's a girl who like put her phone in one and didn't realize she was just spinning the thing. She didn't realize what it was. And she like locked her phone in there for four days. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Oops. All right. Uh I'm gonna get onto this next one here. Octi, uh O C T I. They launched a social network built around augmented reality. Now I still haven't tried this out, uh, and I don't imagine it it might have done well this year, actually. Um so I don't know. Uh this would be interesting to go and check out, especially, you know, I, it would have been interesting if if they did take off because of COVID, right? Everyone's hanging out on a virtual augmented reality social media site. That would have been kind of cool. All right, what's next? Man, so this one I definitely feel like I blew past. So this was related again to kind of time on smartphones, but how is it impacting kids? Is it potentially causing anxiety, depression, other mental health problems, especially among younger teenagers and younger kids like that? Uh, But actually, it looked like this particular set of research had shown that it really wasn't. It It wasn't resulting in, you know, spikes in anxiety or depression or other mental health problems. Um, so that was kind of interesting from a young person's perspective of using a phone. Yeah, the next one here was actually very relevant to us here in the States. Uh, there was a computer system, presumably operating off AI. It's an assumption on my part, but uh, it was able to detect bad ballot design before it actually reached the voting booth. So this actually made uh, voting a little bit more accessible. Um, so uh, it's cool. Cool. Wow. Love good ballot design. Man, so this is way, I am going to get the date off of this one. So this is January 22nd of this year, 2020. This is crazy. It was that far ago. But this was one of the first, I think, Boeing 737 crashes. And per usual, we were kind of stuck in the limbo of trying to figure out. At first, it was one of these things where somebody is blaming the pilot or larger agencies are blaming pilots or failing to react accordingly. Um, whereas it could have also been a problem with automated systems malfunctioning. So that typical human factors in aviation kind of concept there. Yeah, and just to remind everybody, we did do a detailed breakdown of what actually happened with the 737 MAX uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, so if you wanted to go check that out, that's it's a, it's a good time to go do that, especially as we recap the year. Um, all right, so this next one here was uh, improving EHR usability, interoperability, and to aid patient safety. So I'm um, uh, blanking on what EHR is. Uh, something... Addressing poor EHR usability, data errors, and a lack of healthcare interoperability are key ways providers can ensure patient safety. So it looks like... It looks like electronic health records is EHR. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, So it looks like they're just uh, uh, improving the usability there. So it's good news. Rad. So this is back back in England, it looks like they were dropping somewhere in the realm of about $300,000 for a grant for an institution to begin understanding how AI could be applied in manufacturing roles to reduce workload fatigue, stress, and just human problems in the workplace when you're working long shifts. Uh, So I wonder where that is as of now. That's pretty sweet. Um, Up next, an article from Forbes uh, that was talking about a new sensor that could push smart home technology from nice to have to must have. And the gist of this one um, was, I'm looking here, uh, looks like laser ultrasound uh, technology that, um, again, skimming here, uh, looking at if you see anything on this too, I'm... Let's see here. They're, they're uh, life-altering smart home health technology. Um, and spl- oh, this was about the ambulance response solution that triggers at the onset of acute health events such as strokes at home. Um, so that's that's why it must be must it must be must have. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because that's like 
changing the whole life alert service. So I guess that's why they're kind of using yeah. that buzzword. Uh, next up, there was like a $10 million iPhone unlock lab put together in New York earlier this year, which, man, that's like a giant cybersecurity kind of interesting problem, right? Where, where do you, what do you do? Do you expect a manufacturer to unlock phones for specific purposes or do you not? I think it's an interesting problem and it looks like people are trying to apply money to it to be able to get, get it to be a open unlock privacy problem. Yeah, speaking of privacy, the next article here, an Australian inventor just killed privacy. Uh, instant AI face recognition fe- threatens the end of anonymity. Uh, so f- a, a light, fun read there. Jeez, uh, <laughs> that's a title, man. Ugh. Oh, jeez, that's too much. All right, so this was crazy because this was talking about how basically a robot can start to grip something based off of sound waves. So it's not actually touching anything, but this robotic arm was produced and manufactured and then programmed in a way that it could actually touch things based off of sound waves. So that would allow it to change its grip strength um, and maybe not clamp down on stuff too hard or grab stuff too lightly, say in like the manufacturing instance. Uh, up next here, we had uh, RAF Top Guns will fly a uh, new 4,000-mile-per-hour <laughs> uh, Tempest jets with virtual cockpit from 2035. Um, I don't remember talking about this one on the show. That seems interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I remember being really stoked about this next one because it was it's the title of the article alone. It's a good vibes calculated to ease your stress. So this was kind of a Fitbit style wearable that was using different vibrations and vibration frequencies to kind of either calm you down. Let's say if you're having having an anxiety attack or energize you. So if you wanted to get ready for a pre-workout type of thing. So it was a it was a fun kind of twist on, again, using some some wearable technology to kind of help change your mood. Yeah. Um, And uh, let's see here. Coming up next here. This one actually may have had some sort of impact this year. Uh, There's a a push. uh, We talk about logistics in human factors a lot. uh, And there's a push to get these micro fulfillments uh, centers for grocery delivery. Um, That was an article by the Wall Street Journal. So uh, I'm not sure whatever came of that. Um, I know we didn't talk about that too much on the show, but. Yeah. All right, what's up next? This next one I can imagine you at some point having in your garage, but this was basically talking about the cost of flight simulators that are realistic enough for, you know, testing and things like that. Somebody basically built one that was built in their garage that simulated G-forces and actually had, like, auto-tightening seatbelts, and I'm pretty sure they ended up building a startup out of their garage based off of this model, too. Yeah, super cool. Definitely will have one of those in my future uh, garage, and it'll be a good time. Um, <laughs> up next, we have, uh, and we talked about something similar to this on the show in the past, which is probably why we actually didn't talk about this on the show all that much. There's a modified HoloLens that helps teach kids with vision impairment how to navigate the social world. So I think I know we've talked about like the physical world, but this is an interesting kind of social uh, kind of aspect to it. And I know we've talked about teaching kids how to interact with social cues and stuff like that before. So this next one really, I I feel like we talked a lot about automation in various, yeah, in various domains. And one that we picked up a lot on was the manufacturing kind of warehouse work. And so this was taking it a little bit of a step further. So it was looking to automate, you know, warehouse picking arms. So going and grabbing stuff that would give it to a human, think of like an Amazon uh, they would be able to pick out a bunch of stuff to get, to hand off to somebody to load on a truck or stuff like that. So it was a nice combo of automation and AI uh, working with humans. Human robot interaction. Uh, and then there was another flight sim one in here uh, that provide realistic training experiences where students were able to interact in the cockpit, see their hands and feel the motion direction which they were flying. Uh, it looks like another one of those compact um, uh, simulators too. This one totally slipped by me. So it looks like there was actually a competition earlier this year to build a 3D printed Mars house. And it looks like a company that built almost what looks like a, a giant vase that was 3D printed, won the for like best design for a habit or a habitat to be able to put on Mars or the moon. Um, and would be actually built autonomously by vehicles that we would send up there. So you would, there would be like no setup needed for an astronaut or anything like that. It's pretty wild. 
Yeah. Uh, moving on here, we have color-changing bandages that detect and treat drug-resistant infections. I feel like we talked about that one on the show. Oh, man. This one I'm definitely in the throes of right now. So Google's 10th messaging service will unify all things. So unifying Gmail, your G Drive, and Hangouts. I think that's supposed to be this Google Meet thing that we use now for this podcast. Which is great. I love integration of all my applications. I've got way too much Google e- ecosystem stuff going on, and I would love it if it was just all one consuming Unified. application. Uh, GM was competing with Uber and the likes in the self-driving rideshare space. Uh, we saw a lot of kind of innovation with the self-driving uh, stuff, and especially with like some of the laws being passed for being able to transport drivers and stuff without uh, another human in the vehicle. It's pretty rad. So, uh, again, along with the vehicle stuff, so Audi actually introduced an AI colon me. So, it's their empathetic AI that's supposed to understand your mood when you get in the car and how you talk to it to basically play either different music, change the vibration on your seats, or warm your seats. Trying to, again, similar to that like vibration wearable that I was talking about, trying to read your mood based off of cues it can pick up on, either through your voice and then produce some kind of atmosphere that would either soothe you, calm you down, make you excited. Uh, it's pretty sweet to see that in cars. Yeah, uh, let's see here. NASA finds real uses for VR and AR in ast- uh, astronomy and engineering. Um, I'm going to do a quick uh, quick check right now. So we are about halfway through the show, Blake, and we're only in January. We just got through January. I know a lot of our later months are a lot lighter, especially with... Uh, everything that went on. So um, I think we can keep pushing, but I'm going to take a quick break, uh, talk about Patreon, and then we'll be right back. Human Factors Cast strives to bring you the best in human factors chatter every week. We pack news, interviews, reviews, and overall fun conversations into each and every product that we put our seal of approval on. But we can't do it without you. You see, the Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running this show come from the listeners. That's why we're giving back to our supporters on Patreon, now more than ever. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like 24-7 access to our exclusive Human Factors Cast Slack channel, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Cast Infinite, a Patreon-only podcast where the topic is human factors, etc. We're always updating our rewards, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you all, and remember, it depends. All right, and we're back. There's so many people to thank uh, for all the news stories, uh, so just trace them back to the original articles I go. Uh, But you know what's one exciting thing that we did this year uh, that we are still kind of chugging strong on is uh, is the Human Factors Minute. I, it's something that we're really proud of. Um, we have more than a year's worth of content in there banked ready for you to go. I think we're up to like almost a year and a half worth of content uh, banked. Even though we will be taking a hiatus, Human Factors Minute will continue to go. And all you need to do is subscribe at the uh, Human Factors Engineer level on Patreon and, and uh, you can get access to that. Uh, we wanted to do something a little special for our patrons, so uh, we made a separate podcast just for you. Uh, and so uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and jump back into these. I say we power through it and see how far we get. Or, what do you think, Blake? Let's go. I think after this month or into March, right, we're start, we're going to start dropping off pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. So I'll keep pushing. So this one we definitely didn't talk about. It's one of the more kind of deep medical science stories. And this was actually using a body on platform chip that basically would allow you from your body test how drug behaviors are actually going to affect humans. So a lot of things that we deal with in pharmacology is how do you test drugs? How do you know if they're going to be useful? And it takes a lot of money to go through the process of putting together clinical trials, animal tests, all that kind of good stuff. This kind of system would allow you to actually predict based off of different biochemistries how a drug might perform in a larger population. Uh, so it's it's a very interesting concept that I know very little about, and but it's a, it's a pretty cool way forward in human science. Yeah, super cool for personalized medicine. This next one here, uh, I think we did talk about it on the show, so go back and listen to that one. But the Galileo return link demonstration with ready uh, market ready beacon, uh, so search and rescue operations uh, there. 
Yeah, so this looks like debugging PCBs with augmented reality. So I'm not completely sure what a PCB is, but let me hop into the story real quick and we'll see if we can't figure it out. But basically it was using augmented reality to deal with a common problem in circuitry. So being able to actually create and understand different circuitry layouts using Inspect AR, this developed application. So it's a pretty sweet way to kind of tackle a breadboard process or do something like Nick was doing previously working with Arduino, just using, <laughs> yeah, using and now, Yeah, there you go. <laughs> using AR to kind of guide you through the process. Yes, uh, PCB is just a type of board. It's the material that they print all the circuit boards on. Uh, all right, so moving on here, watch a mother reunite with her deceased child in VR. Fun, uplifting story. What's next? I'm terrified. All right, forgot to share this. Let's see what we got here. So, looks like AR smart glasses with tiny eyeball lasers is what we got going on from Bosch. I don't really know what this does, but it looks like it was supposed to be the next Google Glass. Uh, but... Taking into your account a little bit more about you, the user, and providing more catered AR experiences than Google Glass did. Uh, yeah, and then we have up next uh, tech that will tell drowsy drivers when it's time to pull over. So this, I think, uh, I think we talked about. Anyway, moving on. This is rad because I hate getting my blood drawn, but it looks like there's been a robot that's been developed that's supposed to be way more accurate and a lot less painful or a lot less noticeable in terms of pain for drawing blood. So I'm just really excited about that. I feel like we did talk about that one on the show. Go back and look for that one if you missed it. Uh, Amazon Flex drivers are using bots to cheat their way to getting more work. I didn't actually read this article, so I don't know uh, how exactly they're doing it, but they are um, uh, basically manipulating the system to get more work. They're, they're Oh, they're faster than humans, so they're able to claim some of these uh, deliveries faster than others. So it looks like that's what's going on. Wow. So this was a big one for, you know, robotic surgery this year. So it looked like the first performance of super microsurgery. So that stuff is tiniest 0.3 millimeters in like a blood vessel actually passed in its first human testing trials. So that's just amazing for the med community. Um, we have uh, learning to see transparent objects in AI. Uh, this one was posted by Google, so that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to – let's see here. I don't want to just pass over this one because this one sounds interesting, but it looks like they're using uh, different optical 3D range sensors like RGBD cameras and LiDAR um, to basically find invisible objects, uh, which is pretty cool. Can't complain. So it looked like the UK this year was a big big time for autonomous driving. So it looked like a 230-mile grand drive was actually accomplished by a self-navigated and nonetheless electronic vehicle using some of their advanced positioning technology. And actually, test looks like it had some also a human aboard to help understand some of the human machine learning experiences they might go through when they're interacting with an autonomous car. So that's pretty interesting. Oh, uh, let's see here. We have uh, in Iran, there's uh, the Serena IV's capability showing a robot. Let's see here. Iran unveils its most advanced humanoid robot yet. So there's a video that shows this uh, robot doing uh, human-like things, uh, mimicking a pose, grasping a water bottle, writing its name on a whiteboard, those types of things. So this one, I'm not even sure if it what came of it, but I remember going through it a little bit. This this is like the opposite of the feel-good wearable. This was like a wearable that would make sure that nobody could hear you, so no cameras or lurking <laughs> camera or lurking microphones would be able to pirate you or listen to you or even see you. Uh, so that was pretty pretty insane, very steampunk. Uh, I, I'm looking at cyberpunk here. <laughs> Playing too much of that lately. Uh, let's see here. We got World War II helmets uh, protecting again, uh, comparing them to modern designs. So, again, all these are in our weekly stories feed. Uh, so if you're on our Slack, you can go back and see any of these. What's next? Man, this is actually a, one that we missed, and I would have liked to have caught it. But it looks like in this case, because we've heard of some Tesla crashes previously, they are blamed on automation. But in this, this year... It actually seems that Tesla's autopilot actually saved a family's life after making a decision when it crushed into a tree. So I think that was actually informing medical services that they were needed and everything like that. So that's pretty rad. Up next, we have Intuition Robotics raising a lot of money for its empathetic digital companion. 
so that's it's always cool to see AI kind of connecting with humans on a on a more empathetic level or um, you know a more personal level. And just as I give Tesla an up story, I got to give another one. Looks like hackers were able to <laughs> trick Tesla's gas pedal earlier this year by messing with some of the internals of the car to trick some of its cameras as well, uh, making it accelerate past 50 miles an hour unbeknownst to the driver. So this here's our first coronavirus story, and we're we're still in February here. So this is in in China. Uh, this is when the story was developing. Drones and self-driving robots are used to fight coronavirus in China. They were deploying uh, robots and drones to fight the uh, to fight COVID basically by remotely disinfecting hospitals, delivering food, uh, enforcing quarantine restrictions. So it's kind of amazing to me how much we knew how you know so early on, um, and we didn't do anything about it at least here in the States, and there's reasons for that. Uh, so, anyway, next. <laughs> yeah, this is a different one. So, this is maybe a function that I'm definitely familiar with using every day. Uh, it's copy and paste, and I guess it's originator. It's originator, originating computer scientist Larry Tesla actually passed away this year at 74. Uh, so, that was definitely a sobering post, but a very important contribution to computer science. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, up next, we have a woman playing violin during brain surgery to save her musical skills. We did cover this on the show, so I'm not going to talk about that too much. But that was pretty cool to see. That was so rad. Oh, man. man. This is a big one. So we've talked a lot about you know cybersecurity all year. And it looks like a study actually found that personal data... Uh, from mobile health apps is a big fear and a reason why a lot of people do not use them and they don't understand how their data is being used in some of these health applications. I want to sell you Fitbits. Yes. Uh, all right. So speaking of ethics, uh, there's a, a article here from a smart company that's uh, talking about how ethics should be a top priority for AI startups. Um, they're, they're talking about these ethical considerations uh, being a priority for some of these AI startups. Yeah, this next one was a little wild. So basically, DJI had figured out a way to use a cotton swab. DJI, for those who don't know, is a drone maker uh, using a cotton swab to fight against coronavirus. But basically, it was a way to actually test and see if that it was in the environment using some of their AI tech that's built in. Uh, we have these Bose frames that are working with Microsoft's navigation tech for the blind. So another story where we're helping the blind navigate, which is awesome. I always love those stories. Uh, any way that we can help uh, visually impaired folks. Absolutely. Some of the hype that we had recently seen from wearables like the app, Apple Watch um, detecting you know, cardiac events and things like that actually came out and, and said that it will not be able to detect AFib at heart rates above 120 BPM. But yet another win for you know wearables that a lot of people are into detecting any kind of cardiac event. So big ups to Apple this year. Yeah, we have AI-powered wearables. Uh, oh, wait, you're just uh, predicting heart failure before it happens. So you have the Apple Watch not detecting that, and then we have AI-powered wearables predicting it. So it's, it's kind of like a one will not, others will. <laughs> yeah, somebody's going to solve it for sure. So the next one we got up is up in AI and automation, of course. So it's talking a little bit more about how deception in AI is going to be a little bit of a problem, right? So as it learns, as humans lie, it may develop its own ability to lie or need to lie, if you will. So again, that that whole training concept that goes into AI development. Yeah, this next one, I believe we actually did talk about on the show. Uh, I think I did a solo episode on it. Um, but it's it's uh, MIT's breakthrough technologies in 2020. Uh, remote conferencing is not on that list. So anyway, go <laughs> go listen to my solo episode on that. There you go. Oh man, so another kind of like aiding the blind technology here. In this case, it's combining AI with something you might not think of. Be, in this case, being luggage to help visually challenge people actually travel much more independently than they may be able to do now. All right, uh, we got, uh, let's see here, virtual worlds are so popular, why don't we have them yet? Uh, I think we did a deep dive on that, so go listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So this next one up that we definitely, I don't think we covered, but it looks like in Australia there's going to be a large amount of more phone tracking going on to actually track down locations of triple zero callers. So people that are calling emergency services, being able to actually pinpoint where they are without location delays. Okay. I'm going to take another quick litmus test here. We are just now hitting March. 
Um, I'm going to go ahead and accelerate this, Blake. Why don't we pick out like our top couple stories from each month so that way we can get through. Top couple that we did not talk about on the show. So I will let you go first here. All right. It's definitely going to be hard for me to remember what we did, but I think we did That's a okay. lot less in just, this. Just pick out your favorite stories. Yeah. So I'm really excited for these Apple glasses because I think they've done a really good job in terms of just design of products, and it looks like they're going to be a one-size-fits-all VR, so that's just something I'm super personally stoked for. Yeah, you also have this article from GeekWire that are doing XR, which is kind of like VR, AR, MR, virtual, augmented, mixed, whatever you call it. Uh, They are kind of extending reality um, and uh, kind of thinking that that might be the killer app uh, for, or healthcare might be the killer app for it absolutely man got any other favorites from march uh, there's a lot of good stuff i have in a march lot of too. stuff that we did because there's like a lot of nice accessibility ones a lot of cool things like that um let's see here what else do we got from march that was fun oh this is one i don't think we talked about uh but it seems kind of insane so a parasailing drone designed to be shot from a grenade launcher i thought that was kind of just a crazy breach in technology of just being able to not only create really really small drones but be able to launch them very very efficiently of course this is in a military context so it does have kind of a side effect to it but at the same time it seems really really far-fetched almost like something you would see in just a movie yeah so we're in march right now and something really interesting happened here in march uh we actually went into like full lockdown mode and so there's a lot of these uh, how to combat about coronavirus stories in here. Um, you know, and there's a lot of interesting pieces. I'm just going to highlight a couple here and kind of rapid fire. There was uh, augmented tourism with AR bus windows. There was, um, let's see here. Uh, uh, shoot. There was a buffed up avatar uh, deterring us from exercising hard. And all these are along the lines of like staying at home, right? You have, uh, spatial AI technology, um, then uh, a supercomputer on Earth, you know, being deployed against coronavirus. So it's all these articles that are kind of loosely related, but all came out around the same time that um, definitely were influenced by the arrival of coronavirus. You know, it's like (laughs) it was it was really interesting to me. Yeah, there's one big one in here that I had kind of forgotten about, and I think it's still impacting people now, and it's like, can computers ever replace the classroom? So it's really centered around the idea that all of a sudden kids worldwide were displaced out of schools, and now is this the perfect time to figure out one virtual classrooms and then take it a step further using AI and education? Um, so it's just like kind of a giant paradigm shift for education as a whole. So it's uh is as tough as it's been, it definitely has made some interesting kind of you know technological inquiries up here. Yeah, I I do want to say uh, back in um, in in March we actually had that story about Beeline Reader, and then the CEO actually reached out to us. So that was that was a good time to actually talk to Nick, uh, who is the CEO over at uh, Beeline Reader, and um that was that was a good time and and very timely too because that's when all this stuff was going down and blackboard partnered with them to kind of uh get them um get them to all the students uh that's all i had for march you got any other i got one more and it's the it's kind of what we wrap up march with so on the 31st we talked a little bit of like the bridging the gap between neuroscience and then machines so it was actually using a basically just like a little machine learning algorithm to understand and translate cortical activity to text in a way that would make sense like so basically producing diagrams of where information is flowing to the brain uh so it's pretty i don't know it's a nice and rad a, you know, transposition of neuroscience and then machine learning on top of it. Yeah. Uh, moving on into April here, we have a lot of other coronavirus stories. I'm going to kind of lump all the coronavirus stuff together. Uh, we have um, Zoom selling users' personal data to Facebook. You have, um, you know, future predictions for a post-coronavirus world. Um, iron lung designed to address ventilator shortage. You have uh let's see here probably a couple other ones in here um yeah apple and google partnering together on that covid19 contact tracing tech um 
lots of stuff about coronavirus. So just there's a lot of interesting stuff. And if you want to go recap the year, again, all the links are in that weekly stories feed. Um, But Blake, what are some of your favorites from April? One of my favorites from April, it's more of like a, a talk piece about virtual reality. And just I love when the concept of VR is brought up and the the thing that's hammered home for, you know, newer technologies and newer people to adapt to is that VR's future is not stuck in gaming. Like it's it's going to be in training and in all sorts of medical application and, and context. And I mean, man, you did a good job throughout the year of kind of envisioning how VR and AR could be used in just a typical office workspace. So it, it was a really awesome kind of article just highlighting where VR could be applied and hopefully pushes that over the next coming years. Yeah, I'm I, my favorite piece is probably <laughs> that we didn't talk about was probably this handrail design that lets older users rest while climbing stairs. Um, and it's basically it's very simple. It's just the handrail dips down and pr- forms into like a little seat, um, you know. And and then there was another cockpit thing and VR all in that month. Uh, so that's it for me for April. Yeah, the only thing I know we did talk about a little bit on the show, but it's still kind of blown my mind, is this one operator to multi-vehicle, multi-autonomous vehicle capability that's going to start in Sweden with, uh, looks like, what is it called? Like uh, rig trucking or, you know, long haul trucking. Um, so that whole concept just blows my mind because it, it just presents such an interesting human factors problem. Yeah, agree. Um, there's so now we're I guess we're in May. I'm looking through here, not seeing anything super interesting uh, to me. Um, there's a lot of brain stuff in May, uh, you know. And I think, I guess one interesting bit to me is um, it, we talked about it on the show though. So I don't. It's, it's that kind of loyal wingman AI that we talked about on the show. Uh, I, I'm I'm struggling in May. There's not a whole lot there. Yeah, I'm kind of going to default to one that I talked about. So over the over those couple of months uh, in May now, we get an update on Apple Glass and we started seeing concepts for it. And the fact that it's going to overcome a large problem that Google Glass could didn't know how to face, which is, which is it's going to work with prescription glasses. So you're getting some features as well as it's kind of think forward thinking about people that already wear glasses. So that was one that I was stoked on. All right, bringing in June here. I'm looking through June right now to see what I like. Uh, there's a, We got more coronavirus stuff where stadiums are without the fans. They have a app for cheering from home um, and, you know, a bunch of articles about concentration at work, um, being monitored by software, uh, productivity scores. There's a kind of a theme here in June, it seems like. Um, But one of my favorites uh, from June actually was um, sort of this, uh, the, what is it? It's the In Compliance Magazine did a, issued guidance on human factors uh, for the CSPC and United States and Health Canada. So it's kind of this joint uh, effort for the Consumer Product Safety Commission. Um, and I believe that's when we had Aaron on the show to talk about it. But um, it was kind of this, this uh, guidance for consumer products. And I know we talked about it on the show, but it was one of my favorites. So, Yeah, man, that's a great one. One that I think a lot of people didn't know how to tackle was kind of pushing pushing the ball forward in terms of education in COVID. And I think one that was surprising for a lot of students was having to take exams online and be monitored so closely, even down to knowing what, like how often you were taking a breath, like taking your biometrics as you were taking a test to make sure it's not a recording. Uh, so that was kind of an insane story that I know we didn't get to talk about. Yeah, um, looking towards the end of June here, there's one, um, uh, another VR one that I brought up that was uh, Facebook, and their form factor is even slimmer than the other one that we talked about earlier in the year. So this technology is just being, it, it's for VR. Uh, I should mention that, that these things are basically like glasses. There's like no uh, no space really taken up by them. They just look like sunglasses, so it's kind of fun. Yeah, those were pretty sick. One that I still just blows my mind. I know we talked about it on the show, 
was that there was a study that looked at like road deaths would be reduced if safety tech was more ubiquitous and or was the standard for car design. And I, I made the like erroneous assumption at the time that it was like adding more technology into the car, like stuff that like autopilot and whatnot. But no, it was like having automatic braking systems and other very basic features that you think every car has. Um, so it's, a, I don't know, it's a kind of cool homage to thinking about like how little you do need to make things a bit safer. All right, moving on into July. Uh, there's a wearable for m- medical wearable using pen and pencil and paper, and I think that was one of my favorite ones uh, from this month. I think July was actually a pretty good month here. I'm looking through some of these. What do you got? July was so cool. I loved this wearable tech glove. I don't know if we got to talk about it on the show or if I missed the episode, but basically it helps turn sign language into actual speech in real time. So it makes that communication gap a little bit easier between sign language people who don't speak it. Uh, I wouldn't say this is one of my favorite uh, stories, but it's very important in the field of human factors. But you have Iran acknowledging that uh, its troops shot down a passenger jet. Um, and uh, it, it was as a result of kind of a string of co- uh, colossal failures. Um, and it, again, it's not fun to talk about. It's not something uh, that I'm... It's human factors, though, and, and we got to bring it up. Yeah, I totally what get else that got? for sure. So this is another one about the 737, um, looking like it was just having to basically be stored because of it losing power in this instance uh, for both of its when flying with both of its engines. So basically during the entire pandemic, right, we're now we're losing aircraft, even though not many people are flying. It's a large series of aircraft. They're basically having to shelve until somebody can inspect them from the FAA. So yet again, like another kind of issue of automation here. Yeah, we have, uh, let's see here, automating Thailand's hospitals was a pretty good one. Um, and then I think that's it for me for July. I'm looking through here, just kind of glancing. I know we're, we're bumping up here against the end of the hour, but I want to make sure we, we give these stories uh, their due diligence. Um, so we're, we're going to keep going. We're going to extend past the hour and we're going to talk a little bit more through the rest of the year here. So I think we're in August now, right? Unless you had anything else from July. No, no. So August really kicks off heavy at the start here. So again, using this wearable technology, what else can we learn from what we're able to detect? And this was a an early study from Apple um, from UCLA that was seeing how you can identify, you know, turning behaviors toward depression using something like an Apple watch or any kind of wearable. And then what can you do about it? So it was a really cool intersection again of wearables and mental health. Yeah. So one of my favorites uh, for this, and I always like when you can kind of uh, consolidate data and look at it from a macro perspective, Google is turning the Android phones into an earthquake detection network. Um, So if, you know, one, phone detects an earthquake it will you know send out a message to other phones that are you know further out as kind of like an advanced warning system um and then there's also ai pilots fighting against each other uh and that's kind of cool too so that's that's what i got um for uh august i'm still looking through so if you have anything else that you want to you know kind of touch on man so we haven't we still haven't seen this but it looks like on uh, in August, on the 31st, towards the end, Amazon Prime Air finally got the official okay that you can deliver stuff via a drone or you can do it. They can start doing trials in the U.S. So I guess that makes more sense. But it, it looks like, I don't know, one step closer. Although I'm sure this is a concept mock. This is just going to be hilarious if this thing's dropping stuff off at my door. <laughs> <laughs> I will bring up um, another set of of uh, articles here about working remotely. So in August, we had been working at home for quite a while and kind of had some more data about that. There was a couple uh, articles from Mental Floss and Fast Company that kind of broke that down. Um, All right, moving into September... Um, do you have any favorites from September here? I know we're we're only a couple months removed now from from some of these stories, so some of these uh, might feel a little redundant to some of you that are paying closer attention to the Slack. So uh, apologies for that. But Blake, what are your favorites from September here? Man, so we saw yet again, like we had seen er- like a couple mi- a couple months back, the talking about 
a basically AI and robotic dogs being developed for the military. And then we all of a sudden see them actually not just being, you know, tested and built. Now they're being deployed with different air force guard bases, um, for, you know, functional duty. So that's, that was a kind of a sweet evolution to see like a robot being thought up of and tested and then being implemented in a span of, you know, six to eight months. Yeah, I would say one of my favorite stories from September was either the Boeing's culture of uh, concealment and the reprogramming the brain cells. Um, You know, it's stuff that we talked about on the show, really, at this point. Um, All right, looks like we're into October. October. Man, yet yet again, kind of like on this theme with the dogs in the U.S. military. But in in this case, it was actually trying to outfit dogs with AR goggles so they could actually better guide people in combat or people in like serious situations that needed help getting out of them. Um, So this could this was everything from detecting explosives to getting people out of uh, intense situations. So it was kind of a, a completely different take. So we've gone for robotic dogs to real life dogs that now have AR goggles on them. Yeah, looking through October here, um there's a lot of there's a lot of this autonomous stuff and I know we kind of all rolled it up into one um uh one story, but we had that uh the app turning designs into working code. Um I always like those types of automated stories. Uh, all right, I guess we're into November now. Again, sorry if this is seeming uh, reductive because this is the last couple of months here, but what do you got? Yeah, for some of these that we didn't talk about, I mean, this is one that I thought was interesting and kind of daunting at the same time because it looks like the UK is really making a big, big push to see a lot more robots in the UK army. So now they're actually bringing in tens of thousands of autonomously and remotely controlled robots and machines, uh, including UAVs, but also like standard humanoid robots. Yeah, um, so I guess another one of my favorite stories that we didn't talk about on the show here uh, from November was the SoundWatch, this smartwatch app that uh, alerts deaf and hard of hearing folks uh, to birdsong, sirens, and sirens and other desired sounds, which is always cool. It's it's again trying to provide more of those inputs from the world into somebody who doesn't typically hear those things. Absolutely. This is definitely something we talked about on the show, Nick, but I think it's like a giant milestone in the human factors community where we're actually, as a society of human factors and ergonomics engineers, we got this applause from both or gave it to Boeing and the FAA for figuring out the 737 and employing human factors design uh, best practices to figure it out. Yeah, sorry about that. the other one that I wanted to bring up from November here was these forensic experts kind of using social media to reconstruct uh, that Beirut explosion. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that went into that. So they kind of used these videos that were shared on social media um, to kind of get the cause. And I just forensics is awesome. Uh, and that's a great article. Uh, so if you have time, go go read that. Man, and that brings and- us all the way up to to, ta- uh, to date, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Uh, you have this one, um, seeing inside a hospital designed by patients. You want to talk briefly about that one? Because you just posted this yesterday. Yeah, this was pretty rad. So this was actually four kids that are going to have to spend a lot more time in the hospital, either due to like serious illnesses or you know going through cancer treatments. And it was trying to create an atmosphere that felt like it was made for kids to to in some way figure out how they could enjoy themselves. So it's just a a small little kind of cool design from a like looking at the entire spectrum of what you have to deal with in the hospital and how do you make it like a more friendly environment um, when it can be pretty dire. Well, I know after February, we kind of brushed through some of those, but I promise you uh, we didn't skip over anything important. There's a lot of fun stuff in that weekly stories. And we always, we're trying something new here. Uh, We usually do some type of uh, favorite thing at the end of the year, but we're just, we're trying to go through everything. It didn't quite work out. Um, But I do want to, uh, provide, I guess, a Slack Contributor Award of 2020, and that will go to Mateo for all of his amazing finds. Because, um, honestly, Mateo provided a lot of the news stories that you heard uh, that we talk about on the show. And uh, so thank you, Mateo, for all the news stories, and hopefully we can keep it going in 2021. Uh, but that's going to be it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of the news stories 
this week, this year, you can join the discussion on our Slack or follow us on any of our social channels at HFactors Podcast. If you like, you can email us directly. That's show at humanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. One, you can leave us a review on your podcast medium of choice. That really helps us out, helps others find the show. Two, recommend us to a colleague or friend that might enjoy the show. Or three, you can do it with money. You can support us on Patreon and we will give back to you. We have several different options available to you that allows us to give back to you. Um, and of course, you can always reach us on our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. I want to thank Mr. Blake Arnstorff for hanging out with me this year. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about the best news stories of Human Factors in 2020? The best place you can find me across social media is anywhere at Don't Panic UX and also in the Human Factors class, class Slack, cast Slack uh, at Blake. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. See you in 2021. Till next time. It depends. it depends. Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organizations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202, the Human Factors podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.